Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Baroud, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's chat is with Neha Shah, the co-founder and president of GEP Worldwide, a global tech consultancy, and Bruce Malloy, an AI entrepreneur, advisor, and investor. So my name is Neha Shah. I'm a local Princeton resident, and around 25 years ago, uh, I uh, joined a group of three people and helped start a company called GEP, which is world headquarters here in uh, Clark, New Jersey, outside of Newark Airport. Uh, we were a startup in the original e-commerce internet boom. And uh, I won't spend a lot of time, but as you can imagine, the first four, few years were very tough when the NASDAQ crashed and September 11th happened and we had many near-death experiences. Uh, but we're proud to say through a series of hustle, grit, a lot of luck, and a lot of blessings from a lot of different places around, around the world and customers and loyal, loyal team members, we made it. And we're now uh, approaching our 25th anniversary, uh, 30 global offices worldwide, 6,000 people worldwide, uh, all focused with some of the largest global corporations in the world helping them transform their procurement and supply chain operations, utilizing an AI-first digital platform, and then the services global talent around the world in the US, in Europe, LATAM, and, and so forth. And although we've been using AI ML technology pretty much since year three in some of the analytics work we've been doing, uh, we certainly are adopting and really uh, very excited, very hyped about this new generative AI revolution that we're in. So we'll talk about some of the things that we're doing there. And I personally, uh, I will have to admit, even though I, I uh, use AI, we, we all use AI every single day in some shape or form, uh, I think this generative AI revolution for me is particularly uh, interesting. Uh, I'm sure many of you are much more technical than I am, have uh, our, our coders or developers, managed coders, developers, but I, what I love about this generative AI revolution is people like me, uh, can, it's, I feel like it's a great equalizer in many respects. So although I was a little bit skeptical at first, I have uh, really delved deep into this topic. Uh, I actually am gonna become a train the trainer on this topic in a couple weeks. So I will be obligated to help train at least a few thousand people across the globe. It's part of the honor system that I'm signing up for. Uh, to really evangelize generative AI and what the power is. And I'll talk about it in the context of my company, my customers, and uh, and hopefully some of it will be relevant to you and very practical. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Bruce? Thank you. Um, uh, thank you all. Uh, it's a it's a privilege to be here, and I, I, I'm looking forward. I love AI. It's going to be a kick to talk about this a little bit. So, you know, thinking about generative AI, thinking about where we are, I've been doing it for a long, long time. Who's heard about AI winters? Yeah, anyone from <laughs> there? Were, there were a series of them, and where we are right now, it's uh, we're never going to see an AI winter again. Uh, it's going to be sunburn from here on. I mean, it's really it, it's really taking off. And I think one of the big changes is, is the generative aspect. Um, but I'll tell you just a little bit about my background. And the th overriding theme is how quickly it's changing. Where we're, you know, where I started, where we are now, where we're going to be in 10 years, I don't think that we will really uh, uh, recognize it. So I started uh, a long time ago uh, building experts. 
actually, before I do that, I just have one, one question for the group I want to ask. How many people have used ChatGPT? Hands, please. How many people use ChatGPT every day? <laughs> it's a full house. How many people are terrified at the prospects, the doomsday scenarios of AI? <laughs> wow. And how many think it's an incredible, bold new future? Oh, good, very much. I thought it was going to be a little more balanced. You know, uh, I was going to ask who answered yes to all four. That would be me, actually. I think I think there are a lot, a lot of risks, and there are a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of positive for what it's worth. So I started building these expert systems, uh, and what you're doing is learning the heuristics of doctors, other people. You create a nice decision tree, and maybe a hundred rules, a hundred rules, and then you had some real expertise. Now, I was just looking, looking up today how many parameters are in the LLMs in GPT. I had some like, like 10 to the, the 14th. I mean, just these humongous numbers. So when I started, there were sort of 100 rules, now 10 to the 14th. Also looking at this, you know, you know what else has, has one with 14 zeros after it? Those are the number of connections in the human brain. So, you know, we're kind of hitting this point where they're there, except it's going to keep outstripping where we're going. So anyway, so I built a couple software companies a while ago. I have a cognitive processor, not IBM's. This was 15 years ago. I should have held on the trademark. We built a help desk company, went public with that. It's taking over. It's everywhere. Uh, built this built this company and uh, had a good one. We actually got to an IPO uh, and merged with it. So that was, that, was, that was wonderful, very exciting. Then built another company that had to do with using AI to grab stuff from the web. This generative stuff is so different. As you were saying, you know, it expands up this way, whereas all the other AI was very convergent. It was trying to get at the fastest route, the best places to ship, recommending that best product from Amazon. This is completely different. So I know you all know it, <laughs> I can tell, but uh, you know, the whole game changed. That. So, so I'm working on a company that's looking at patents and, and, and papers and products and finding the IP that sort of floats on top and connecting these in, in a very connected way. And then something else for the financial area. Just to clarify, this is the, there's been four hype cycles. Uh, of AI, right? In the 70s, 80s, 2000s, and now, of course, now, as Bruce just mentioned, it really has come into its own, mostly because of generative AI and ChatGPT, which has uh, reached a quarter of the, a quarter of the planet's uh, population. Two billion people, right? So, a lot to talk about. Again, I want you to get to your questions. I'm going to ask maybe one question, two questions, and then that's going to prompt you to ask questions, because everyone has questions about uh, AI and, and ChatGPT. So, tell us, uh, Neha, in your company, now, I know you can train the trainer and you, so you know all the use cases, but for this group, explain to them you know, how you're using it in your company and how you're seeing it used so effectively out there with your clients. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think uh, everybody is, We were again, we work with some of the largest companies in the world, uh, the biggest banks, the biggest oil and gas companies. I think there's, uh, uh, everybody's asked, every C-level board is asking about it, but I think in terms of figuring it out, uh, it's, there's still a long way to go. And in fact, some of the banks just this morning, uh, we were told by a major bank in Europe that, well, you have all these great uh, uh, generative AI features in your platform, but we want them turned off. 
because as of today, our policy is that no, uh, no generative AI features in any of our platforms can be used. Now, I don't, I don't anticipate that that will be, uh, that will continue for the long term. But you can, you can see that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of questions about it, and so forth. And I, I will say that uh, before I answer your question, I was one of those skeptics where I'm sure all of us use ChatGPT. And we thought of it a little bit as a search engine. We thought of it as like, okay, it makes some rap songs in the way, you know, it generates some poems and rap songs and, and does some cool things. But, you know, it's not, it's pretty limited. But after really kind of delving deep and understand, you know, really thinking about it as like the, with every degree possible, with every single piece of information data that's publicly available in the internet up till 2021, and now there's no 2021 restriction anymore. And then really using it in a, in a contextual and conversational way, utilizing our best storytelling in ChatGPT or BART or many, many others that are available out there to really get the true power of what it's able to uh, do. It, it's, it's far, far, far beyond a search engine, it's far, far, far beyond one data analyst, it's thousands of them. It's you with an army of a thousand, you with an army of a hundred thousand, you with an army of a hundred, really thinking through and developing very you know, detailed analytics, uh, strategies, everything you can think about. Automating, uh, utilizing AI bots, your entire HR process, your marketing process, your sales process. And we could do that like, we could do that today with this LLM, which as uh, uh, Bruce was saying, we're kind of at, you know, when we think about the human child, I have three kids. I remember my daughter when she was two days old, two months old, two years, and we see this exponential growth. You can't even imagine what a two day old will be doing in two years. You can't imagine it. It's like, it's like, it's like we know because we've seen it before, but it's, it's, not, it's not linear. And so similarly in this generative AI revolution we're in, we're just at the beginning. So what's going to happen is, is tremendous. So, um, so I think that ability to like really see it in a different way, to converse and give context to the smartest person that ever walked into the room that has every piece of data. If you don't, if you don't prompt it correctly, if you don't give it the right context, what do they do? They bullshit you to show that they're as, as smart as possible. But in fact, with the right context, with the right training, they can tell you a lot. They're very, 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 very smart. That's what these, um, these systems do. And it's not like a Bayesian algorithm or what we see in Google giving you the same output every time. It's gonna think just like human beings. And then our job in interacting with these systems is to be human, to bring our values, to bring our ethics, and let the, let the intelligence and the analytics and the, and the recommendations come from the system in a way that it's never been able to do before. So coming back to your question, in our company, we help some of the biggest companies with uh, their procurement, their supply chain. We have an, a low-code AI-first platform. So when, if you're a user in a, because we're in Princeton, there's large pharma, big pharma, and biopharma all around us. In a biopharma company who wants to uh, figure out, <clears throat> um, wants to buy some really new innovative product and find the right suppliers at the right price and then write the request for proposal and then send it out <clears throat> to the right suppliers and then contract with those suppliers. Today, we have a workflow system called GEP, GEP Quantum. But now, because of all of these generative AI uh, aspects, we're able to really incorporate that where even a human doesn't need to write that document anymore. It can be, it can, we can have this API call 
to the enterprise version of ChatGPT. We're a big, we're a very big customer of Microsoft. And so we get the enterprise version that's linked into our system of GEP Quanta. And so writing these documents, writing the emails directly, like basically automating the entire workflow, but doing the, uh, getting the intelligence about, you know, should we negotiate at this time or should we do something else at this time? Predicting what is going to happen, writing the contract, going back and forth to the suppliers, even negotiating with those suppliers. All of those, what used to be considered higher order thinking that only humans could do is now we're building those applications and features into our system so that it can be done in a, this very, what's the easiest uh, way to interface is through human language and the English language, rather than doing all of that through the backend code. Our code is being written by some of this AI and then each function within our company, marketing, sales, HR, we're, up, we're finding, I'm not saying we're done, it's just we're at the beginning of the journey, but finding our data, redoing our processes and figuring out the ways that these generative AI bots, RPAs, other uh, causal AI bots, everything we could apply so that we can automate, continue to automate, and then let the humans do uh, the things that we need to do, which is empathize, which is uh, think creatively, to do other things that we haven't even been forced to do before so that we can continue to move our company forward and our customers forward. And you said empathy, and I know what I've heard and what I've learned playing with it is, you know, if you say please, you get better answers. So <laughs> it's really important to, to act human and, and be thoughtful when you're interacting. Now, uh, Bruce, you have two startups, amazing, exciting stuff. You've seen so much over the past 30 years. <laughs> what do you, what do you expect? after the First World War. <laughs> <laughs> He's been through the whole life. But, uh, but you're doing some fascinating stuff. So, so tell us about both of those use cases and what you know, gets you excited. Because I know you've been, when I've talked to you for the past six months, you've been you know, just so enthusiastic. Thanks, Jim. And, and you, it, it, us entrepreneurs know that enthusiasm is everything. So it's great to get excited about that stuff and see the output. I saw some output today which just blew me away in terms of what the general was putting together. One comment, you know, it, it, listening to, to you describe all the things you're doing and it sounds doing well, I'm struck by this fact that maybe two or three years ago, this notion of GA, generative, artificial intelligence, all the pundits were saying that's not possible. I mean, such a short time ago, they said this wasn't possible. It's good for very, you know, uh, these individual things, very focused. No, it's exploded. And I say that because a theme that's always with me is this exponential rise. And a year from now, we're gonna be here, it's gonna be completely different. In four years, it is so fast. And the theme here is that we humans really aren't that familiar with exponential growth. We're, it, we're not wired that way. So it's just kind of a warning, I think, for all of us. Uh, that, that, that's where, where, in my my opinion, it's going. In terms of the, the gender of the LLM, so I'm very excited about this sort of, we start with patents, and, and we want to try to mine patents and find more uses for the patents, who customers might be, what was to be done. As we got into it more and more, and for those who are familiar with the sort of semantic aspects of the text that goes into GPT, you essentially take every single paragraph and you turn it into this vector 
that represents the centroid of the idea, if that makes sense. It just means that the AI gets the gist of every paragraph without the words even, even being there. That's at the heart of it. So this is very cool because you can start to connect together thematically and topically all these ideas across millions of patents. And this is what the LLMs do. But now when you make a, you know, narrow it down to a patent area or whatever, now we're starting to track innovation, the legacy of, it, of, of innovation, and you can start to predict where it's going. So, you know, we're at now taking something that's really very sort of analytic and making it creative. And to generalize that, I think you can sort of create these large innovation models and start large language models. What I'm doing, and so that's what we're doing, you know, in that area. Just one other observation, which is that to get there, you know, we've all heard chat, chat GPT lies and make stuff up, you know. We've, you know, I don't. I wouldn't be quite that harsh. I think it's like a kid, you know, just trying to fill in the blanks as, as you get there, and it'll get better and better. But it's been difficult with uh, Chat GPT with some of this stuff. Uh, it, it's astounding what it'll create. And is it no, no, that's not right. You know, how do you put the guardrails in? So what we're doing is a combination of quote unquote old-fashioned AI, you know, some machine learning, even the semantic work is more classification. And so you have an ensemble, an ensemble of these different means of getting there. I think this is really important. I think even for ChatGPT, they have 10, it's something, it's like a collection of experts, 10 different experts. And I, I, I've thought for a long time, where all of this has to, it's, it's gonna follow really the human course where we have specialization in the brain. We have part of the brain for short-term memory and recognizing images. That's what's going to happen in these systems in a very simple way. That's what we're doing with the patents. All right, is that enough uh, to pull your minds? I think it is. Uh... There's so much to ask. All right, so let's just go grab some questions here. So is there a playbook that you guys can recommend for folks to get started and, and execute? I'm going to let Bruce handle it, but I'll say that I, like I said, I'm, I consider myself an entrepreneur, a leader. I can talk about expert. I feel in this journey, even though I've been doing AI and ML, my, at least my company has, and now we're in this generative, I'm a, just a curious learner, like all of you. And so I went to this AI for CEOs, and what I learned were a couple tidbits. One is uh, anybody who's running their own company, this AI revolution, uh, it has to start from the top. Uh, it has to, it's not about one person and somebody in IT anymore. In fact, it's like, the, as I said, the great equalizer. So every, every one of us can be interacting and doing stuff today. Uh, where these LLMs are, there's like, I think, a new LLM coming out every three seconds. If you go to huggingface.co, you'll see it. Like keep refreshing it, and it's like three hundred thousand, whatever, and you're just finding the right ones and fine tuning it and changing the temperature so that the chat GPT doesn't lose any. All these like interesting things, which, to be honest, I don't know the playbook, but what I can tell you is my recommendation: is start from the top, figure out where your data is, what is the process flow that is ideal for your company, like what process flows to map it out. And then there's a series of AI bots we can build: generative, causal, old old school AI to automate, that's what we're doing. And the only way we're learning that is through, somebody told us the, the technical term is FAFO, which is fuck around and find out. And that's what somebody taught me just uh, six months ago. And I think that has worked That has worked for me to just like, because I think it's moving so fast and we don't know. And of course, like the chat GPT, what is actually happening if there's so many things now, I'm gonna go through this train the trainer six months later, so much has evolved. So I don't have a playbook. But what I can tell you is find your data, your actual physically touch it, figure out your processes, 
play around as much as possible. You use this, use it every day. Make it a part of not only yours, uh, your life, but everybody who you work with in your company. Uh, and and things will be found out in ways that you never you never thought possible. That's that's my playbook at the moment. Agree. It's it's a good question, and, and I, it, you know, my mind runs to well, I, I I don't think there's a one general playbook, and, and I think very simply, you know, what I'd say is, and it sounds like everybody here is playing with Chat GPT, but at, at the very least, you know, for people out there, you have to just get into it, just play with it, and have this experiential, you know, kind of understanding what's there, and with that experiential understanding. Then you know you'll have some sense, and it's 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 not it, 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 it's, it's so intellectual. Is it just kind of this visceral experience? Oh, it does that. It does these things. You connect these things. Then you go to your particular area. If you're a publicist or an educator, you're a poet, and you can use it in these ways. And finally, not to punt on your question, <laughs> but I, I, I don't I don't have a good answer about to do a playbook. I said, you know, just ask Chat to put together a playbook. <laughs> It's a very smart response because, like, the whole idea of like building up those muscles yeah. is very practical and very much, you know, in the here and now and very intentional. So I thought that was a very good response. Okay, next question. Go ahead. Um, what do you guys think about the, the pace of? I'm very, very pro AI, so this is going to be a, a, a quick question. question. But, but what do you guys think about the place of humans? in all of this in five years, especially in the workplace, as AI does more and more. You mentioned empathy and, and creative thinking, but you know, are people gonna pay us for empathy, right? And, 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 and creative thinking, where, where do humans land in all of this? Yeah. Um, again, I don't I don't know, and um, uh, I, I think, I, I when you ask a question about the fear, I have both, I have tremendous fear, and also I think it's a bold, like exciting new world, especially as I got into it. And so what I would say is, uh, I, but I do see that, for instance, uh, I learned in, in the tra like training I underwent, you can, you can set the context, you can set the tone of every single written document your organization does through ChatGPT, all, all of the big ones, BARD, whatever, and you can set the tone. And my company, GEP is a New Jersey, USA based, and you give a whole 450 word prompt, that's another thing, like, we think we just tell it 15 words and it's gonna come out with something spectacular. It's not, we have to give a lot more context. Um, but we can set the tone, for instance. But one thing I learned, and I think I, I think maybe Bruce can uh, elaborate, you know, the values like of like a human to actually, again, like uh, care for somebody else to show, it, it doesn't know, it doesn't know what care means. It doesn't know what kindness, it's like, it's gonna, it, it knows it knows uh, facts and data. It gives you take you give the context, and so I think there will be a lot of like higher routinized tasks and higher order thinking tasks, including all the white collar jobs that we were talking about, which you're right may may you know get eliminated from fifty percent, sixty percent, ninety percent. There will be new jobs created. Will it be fifty to ninety percent more? Probably not, quite frankly. But I think it will be other points of validation, other points of like when a doctor or my husband is an orthodontist, but he's giving a treatment plan and he's one of the best in his field, uh, objectively speaking, he's one of the best in his field, but it'll give, you know, allow him to have like spend a lot more time with the patients to explain, to give the right questions, uh, to show a data point uh, that's associated with, with this large, this healthcare based large language model to show 
that yes, in fact, this treatment plan and to reduce that time for him. So I think, I think there will still always be a place for obviously great leaders, great practitioners in their space and utilizing this as a, again, um, in an organization, there's always the people at the top, the mid-level, the L1s, L2s, L3s. Now, this, these models will take, you know, could take out a lot of the L3s, maybe some L2s, but we'll still need some of them. We'll still need some of them and to like properly interact with the system and use it and use it in a responsible way and do the things that we need, uh, we need to get done. And I think, I think, and again, maybe Bruce is more of the expert here, but I think policies around, you know, I heard a story that the self-driving trucks could, you know, can, can literally put like truckers, you know, give, remove hundreds of thousands of trucking jobs. But, you know, through policy or through good leadership, some CEOs are gonna say, well, I don't wanna be the person who is gonna put out 100,000 truckers out of work. So I'll have the truckers sleep in, in the trucks. I'll still have less accidents. I'll still let the self-driving trucks happen. But I will still save money and I, I still don't have to remove all those jobs. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I think there's a ton of opportunity, ton of risk, but there's still a very human role to be human and to be good leaders going forward. Great, great, great. Um, it's a wonderful question. And, you know, I, I would, the future's not written. And, and in, in terms of five years, you know, where we are, uh, I'm not quite, I'm very optimistic. I love AI. I've been doing it for decades. But I'm also very, very concerned about, you know, where it's going. And, you, you know, I just read something, it was Katzenberg or somebody in Hollywood said, hey, yippee, we can get rid of 90% of the animators. You know, it's like, you know, and again and again and again, and you, you see this, you know, and so this is going to ha happen. These are just market forces. And, you know, it, it, it's a tiger. We have to figure out how to ride the tiger. And, and it is going to be, we got we got to be ahead of it. You know, we need to learn it. We need to manage it. We need to put up the guardrails. You know, that needs to be done. I'm, I'm a little concerned about, I mean, things like education, and, and there are views across the board on this. You know, and, and of course, there's always the, the, the difficulty with, you know, these things writing the, the term papers. But in a larger sense, a more general sense, it's, it's concerning to me a little bit. To, you know, you know, kids are, you know, they don't use maps and they don't have to memorize and if they, you know, do these things. There's some cognitive value. Are we somewhat cognitively diminishing? And there's arguments on all sides, but my belief is we, we could. We, we, you know, it gets so easy that we don't internalize anything. And there's something really special about memorizing things and having it to draw on. You fall asleep and you start making connections and you come up with new things. That's how you create. That's to be human. And if you go, I don't have to look, I don't have to look at it. I don't know. It's, it's all there. Write a poem for me. You know? <laughs> it's, we lose something in our humanity. There, there's one other aspect which, um, you know, it's been said, I, I gave a talk about this, but you know, in a paradoxical way, uh, AI can make us more human you know, in a very good way. AI can, in fact, take all those routine tasks nobody wanted to do anyway, you know, and, and do this automatically, and maybe we can be a little more empathetic, more caring, you know, do the, you know, in, in the, you know, in, in the health areas and teaching these sorts of things. It can make us better in ways. But as I said, you know, the, it's unwritten. <laughs> it's gonna, and I think it's going to really come down to us, what society does, the societal values. It, it's certainly going to come down to, to uh, you know, to, to, to government, to regulations. When you have Elon Musk asking for regulations, you know, I, I think, you, you know, there's a sign that, that you know, we, we've got to do that as a society. So, it's, it, 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 
Opinions are across the spectrum on this. But All right, next question. It's a great question. It, 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 you want, is everyone familiar with the hype cycle, the Gartner hype cycle? Just, you know, the hype cycle is, you know, everybody gets all psyched out and hype. It goes way to the top of the hype cycle and then nothing works out. And then you fall into the trough of disillusionment and then you end up on the plane of the plateau of reality. And all technologies go through this equation. So where are we on that hype cycle? Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of AIs in different applications. So I don't think it's just a singular point. So you have, have to kind of pick that area. Certainly, so I'm not sure. Uh, you know, but you know, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if the trough goes down so deep, but I, I think even with gener generative can be broken up into all these various areas, too, and how it's being used. I mean, for, for instance, you know, if, if, if you're in marketing or a publicist and it's just being creative, then, you, you, you know, it's good to go. You can use that right now. If you're using this for to write a prescription or an analysis, you know, you don't want things hallucinating on what you're going to do. So I think some of those areas that require really more factual, you, you know, a, a guardrail kinds of answers, I think that's going to go down the trough. And, and it'll come back. I think some of the creative stuff, I'm not sure how, how much it falls away. I don't pay attention to hype cycles. I just, like, do, like, I, there is a lot of hype in this generative space. There is, but like the amount of transformation that the, that it's going to do for us is just unbelievable. I like again six months ago, I was a little bit more skeptical. I'm a total believer now, and uh, there are plenty of hype companies, hype startups that are just like That's nice true. wrappers around. That's true. That's happening for sure. Yeah. But the 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 benefit the benefit and the risk is tremendous. Uh, so I, that's what I believe. Right that's now. a good separation. The hype that's just around, uh, yeah. and all the companies are spun up doing everything, as opposed to to the the, the real technology. Yeah. Okay. One more technology. quick question. Go ahead. Can you give one example of a killer app from AI? Something that would push it right up to the roof. I can, but I can't tell you. I'm not going to use a killer app, but some of you are probably Microsoft customers and like, you know, what has changed? Of course, our day to day is, you know, now uh, they have their co pilot. And I think, I, I don't want to call it a killer killer app, but it's, it's quite remarkable what the things that we can now do. Uh, you know, I think they charge 30 a month, now it's coming down. You know, what co Microsoft co pilot is able to do in a in a, a company like ours for 6,000 people in terms of writing the notes, taking actions, sending out the follow-ups, the things that w either wouldn't get done or you needed like a chief of staff to do uh, was is quite remarkable. I mean, I don't know I don't know if it falls killer app, but it's quite remarkable. And there's many of those like there's AI pen, there's like things that through FAFO, people are finding out like great great like new apps that uh, does like really uh, creative note-taking or whatever. I I guess there's like so many. I think my interest has been more like really just understanding these LLMs like in a, in a much more detailed way and how we can apply it 
utilizing our data. Our, your own data in your companies, your own data is really the diamonds of the future. That is, that is the platinum and diamonds of the future. That data training LLMs is what is going to create value for the long term. I, I think the, uh, go ahead. I didn't mean, mean to make value, but it's, it's, it's a good question. You know, I, I, it depends what killer app is. You know, a killer app is typically, it just takes off. You know, everybody needs to expose even to chat GPT. As I was just thinking about your question, it could be that with some of the, the, the generative AI sorts of things, I mean, they could go in, they could find an area for a new product, they could do the market research, they could enact this, they could get, get the surveys going, they could build, they could take it to market, you know, and you might have something that's a real winner. So. You know, it, it's a little bit fanciful, but there might be something in, you know, end-to-end -end AI connecting these things together that generates a lot of money. I think uh, uh, apps like Cognito, right? Personalized tutoring, yeah. personalized learning, the whole possibility uh, of bringing up everyone up to speed at their own pace is going to be revolutionary. So I'm excited for that. How are business leaders going to connect with the 1% influencers in the AI world, like the Elon Musk and the Zuckerbergs? in determining the policies that governments and these companies are going to come together in terms of ethics for AI. Where do you see yourself participating? I don't see myself in a room with Elon Musk ever, but, um, <laughs> but, but no, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, no, I think they, they have a huge, they have a huge responsibility obligation. All these, um, Meta, for instance, like literally overnight, Mark Zuckerberg changed. You know, it was all about metaverse. They're a big customer of ours. It was all about metaverse, and overnight he realized, I think Meta has the second most largest data set in the world after the Chinese government, supposedly. That's what I was told in some session. And so he figured out, like, they need to invest all, a lot of their investment in their llama, LLMs, and whatnot. So I think they have a huge responsibility, huge obligation uh, to figure out uh, these things. I hope, I hope many of us, uh, my company's like a mid-sized company, which uh, just wants to do like good in the world in a responsible way. But I hope, I hope uh, uh, with our leadership in, the, in government, and it's about across governments, by the way, because it's, it's not just the US, it's like this is across the globe, across with some of uh, these leaders will, uh, will help to figure it out. It's, it's, it's a huge issue. I mean, it's, 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 it's a great point. I mean, my, my thought is it's going to be it's going to be market forces. It's going to be social forces. It's going to be government forces that are going to sort that out. And if you think about those three things, they differ from country to country. So you could have really different outcomes in, in other countries according to the way it, it shapes up. But you know, it, it is it's the question of our time, and, and uh, you know, we'll be forever, you know, working on solving that in some small way. And there's a lot of groups working on that, right? From the, from the announcement a couple weeks ago from Biden to the safety AI conference in Europe to the UN to, uh, in fact, his meeting with, with the Chinese leader uh, this week, I'm sure, they discussed that. So, like in nuclear proliferation agreements, there, should, there will be, uh, they'll come together, I'm not going to, fingers crossed, the try. Um, we'll, we'll get our arms around because there are a lot of dangers, including uh, deep fakes and misinformation, uh, democracy in general. So, this has been great. Thank you so much. For coming. Thank you to this great panel. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review, and subscribe. See you soon.